Muhammad Shami. Seven for 57 of 9.5 overs he took over in Mumbai against the Black Caps as India beat the Black Caps in the World Cup semi-final by 70 runs. India setting New Zealand 398 to win and New Zealand falling 70 runs short despite the best efforts of Daryl Mitchell who scored the Biggest century of the day, 134 of 119 balls, nine fours and seven sixes. Fantastic knock from him, just not quite enough. And joining us to talk about that is former Black Cap Ronnie here. Morning, Ronnie, how are you? Morning, Ricardo, how are you going? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so much was on the toss in this game, wasn't it? And uh, India got the toss one and, and put the pressure on. Yeah, I think it was going to be crucial. Um, it was the third game on that wicket. Um, so, yeah, you're making use of those conditions early on and um, under the sun. Um, and, yeah, they put a pretty compelling total uh, together through uh, Coley and a few others. Now, there was a bit made uh, of, of India getting to, you know, sort of dictate to the groundskeep uh, that, you know, what they wanted from the pitch and things. I, I don't have too much of a problem with it. I mean, it, you know, if you if you host a Cricket World Cup uh, or if you host any World Cup, conditions are always going to be in the favour of the home side. What did you make of it? Uh, I guess, I mean, there's no real overlying issue. I just guess who, who who's managing the tournament, I, I guess, is more the question. If it's an ICC event, then maybe they should be the ones that decide what sort of pitches you play on. And, um, yeah, I guess that that's all there is to it. I mean... Uh, if they say you're playing on pitch five, then I guess it's pitch five. And if, if the the home team wants to get involved and try and, and I guess, manipulate the situation and, and the ICC allow it, then then I guess it's, it's okay. But, yeah, I guess ultimately who's running the tournament? Hey, Ronnie, thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, they've taken the home ground advantage to another level, haven't they? The Indians, um, nine in a row, got the 10th this morning. But do you think the selections um, were right? Was there any that you would have changed? Morning, Tony. Um, I'm unsure if there was any other players they could have used on the bench. They sort of went with the with the tried and true that they had been running with. Um, I think obviously throughout the tournament, um, having someone like Matt, Matt Henry get injured didn't didn't overly help things. He's he's been a crucial white ball bowler for the Black Caps over the last cycle, I guess, for the uh, the last four years since the last World Cup. So him him going down injured wasn't wasn't overly helpful. And then bringing Tim Southey and he actually bowled quite well in the last few games, I think. But um, I think what it does sort of show us is that maybe we need to find some, some I guess, more talent or younger players to, to sort of blood and give experience between this and the next World Cup. There was, of course, a bloke who didn't uh, bowl at all, and that is Daryl Mitchell. We've seen him being used less and less with the ball. I did wonder whether or not uh, he might get given an opportunity. Or, or the other one, and I, and I mentioned this yesterday, actually, uh, uh, when we were talking to Ross Taylor, was uh, Kyle Jamison, just because you know he, he has a little bit of that X factor, six foot eight. The, you know, even if the pitch isn't doing much, uh, he gets the ball to come off it at a different angle. Yeah, good point. Um, I think yeah, Kyle maybe would have been more of an outside, an outside chance just because he hasn't played any of the games before that. So him in the semi-final could have been, uh, would have been, uh, I guess, in the, in the pressure cooker without having had any cricket um, in India. Um, he's been playing the best of cricket, but I guess it's not the semi-final. It's not under the, the pressure of the, the this crowd and things like that. And then yeah, Daryl Mitchell. I guess they could have thrown him a. And a couple of overs or two, and maybe use his variation in terms of slower balls and cutters and things to 
to be able to see if if he made an impact or any difference. But I think yeah, he bowled he bowled a lot less than I guess anticipated this tournament. That's for sure. Ronnie, how, how tough is it? You know, like we were listening to the commentary this morning and. Um, we talked about it yesterday. How important it is to get in there and bat, you know, with the with the way that the weather is, um, how hot it is, the fatigue factor. But how tough is it for the for the cricketers up there when you when you're coming in after having to bowl, and then trying to keep the momentum going with the bat? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough when you're chasing 400 at any time, let alone a, a World Cup semi-final. So. I guess they're under sort of scoreboard pressure from the start um, to try and to, to try and get a run rate going and to lose those um, early wickets for, with guys that have been scoring runs like Ratchin and um, Conway's been uh, relatively quiet this this tournament other than that one knock against England. So they were sort of banking on those guys getting the Black Caps off to to a quick start. Um, but I think they do back their back end in terms of pressure. They they just try and absorb that pressure. They're guys like Daryl Mitchell and. Um, Glenn Phillips and even Mark Chapman, who's, who's, who's played a couple of crucial knocks this, this tournament. So, yeah, it's tough, especially when you're chasing 400. And I think you've just outlined it at the start. You know, the toss was crucial. You know, if they had managed to win the toss and put together 350 plus, then they could have put, maybe put some scoreboard pressure on. But I think they saw in that pool game that even 350 and 300 plus is, is not enough against the batting lineup like the Indians. It's uh, it's interesting, mate. I don't know uh, how much the conditions change from the start of the first innings to the start of the second innings, but you know, I just look at the first fall or wicket uh, around the eighth over for India. They were one for seventy-one when Rohit Sharma went. Uh, but New Zealand, we really struggled at the top of the uh, top of the order. Around the same time, we were two for thirty-nine, and uh, both openers have been knocked off. Uh, was that conditions, or was that just Sharma um, having an absolute blinder? Probably more the second point. I think he's had a really good tournament. Um, and, yeah, I think that just shows you that, you know, even in conditions like that, you can find a way to, to take wickets. Um, he's a very skillful bowler. And, um, yeah, he's, he's taken a lot of wickets this tournament. So um, I think, yeah, it's just about trying to find ways to take wickets. And, unfortunately, we, we weren't able to do that up front with, uh, with Saudi Bold and a mixture of Ferguson and the Spinners. Um, so, yeah, I think... The, the crux of it was trying to take regular wickets um, against that batting lineup to be able to uh, to, to stem the, the run rate, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, a difficult situation, difficult conditions, um, but these guys are professional players, right? And I, and I look at uh, the lower part of that order, and we, we bat deep, you know, we, got a long, uh, we don't have a long tail. We've got guys uh, right down to number nine who can, who can score runs, uh, but when you consider that we had what? Um, I think five five players uh, only make single digits on what was uh, obviously a, a pretty good pitch to bat on. Uh, it was is that just mental? Do you think? Oh, I think it's difficult when you probably come in and you're chasing eight to ten and over. Um, and then when I flipped it on this morning to check it, there was something like fourteen and over. So you know you are having to look for boundaries pretty much every other ball, and that can become difficult. Um, I guess in the 2020, you know, with the with the amount of overs that you play, you know, you can do that for maybe four or five overs. But if you have to do that for for 10 plus overs, um, when I turned it on, it was like a, a hundred off 30 or something that was needed. So, you know, it's relatively difficult to walk in and and, and try and manufacture from the start a, a strike rate and a run rate to be able to compete with that. So, I think a lot of the damage had to be done up front and get off to a, a really good start and then get ahead of the rate in this occasion. Um, but yeah, they weren't they weren't able to do that. Um, they wouldn't have to do that against Indian bowlers. 
do, do they do they take this tournament as a as a a good tournament? The uh, the Black Caps, Ronnie. You know, like the, the last time they played India in this um, format in this semi final, they got the win. But losing to them and not making the the big show, we, which we thought they they possibly could do, um, do they still come away with it, calling it a success? Yeah, really good question. Actually, I think. Um, I think they're probably the fourth best team if you think if you think if you take it outside the the semi final lens and, and just this one game I think if you look at it they probably were the fourth best team. Um, they lost to South Africa in the in the group stage, lost to Australia and they lost to India with the, the two the three teams ahead of them in there. And then I was really worried about the the middle of the tournament in terms of that streak of games that they had. They had a, they had India which they they were competitive but ultimately lost. They had Australia again. They were competitive and only and they only lost by a few runs. They they had their only blowout against Australia against South Africa, and then they lost to Pakistan. So that four game stretch I was really worried about. But they were relatively competitive across all those games. Um, so I think when you look at it like that, they've they've come up against. Um, probably, yeah, the best team, 10 games in a row, um, and then probably ultimately are going to win the, the tournament, uh, from what I can see, um, unless ourselves, South Africa and Australia um, play very, very well and India have a poor game. Um, so I think the Black Cats will look at it as, as a... I don't think they'll be... I think they'll be disappointed by not making the final, but I don't think they'll see the tournament as a disappointment um, as a whole. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely... Um, again, taking the the semi final and the World Cup out of, I think it might be the end of the cycle for some of the some of the guys, um, and that's not that's not based on performance or anything. It's just based on age. You can see what happened between this uh, semi final and last semi final. Guys like De Grandome, guys like Guptul, guys like Taylor. Um, they, they they just they just they obviously between this this semi final and last semi final have have moved on, and I think the the natural course would probably be the same for some of those players. Yeah, well, I'd probably say that um, Southie, Bolt and, and, and Williamson are the obvious ones that are probably in that camp. Uh, but, uh, Ronnie, how do you think yeah, New Zealand, the Black Caps, are placed um, in terms of the way that this side is evolving? Yeah, and that's, that's the, I guess that's the thing for the next few years. I mean, Gary Steele's got another two years, which means he ultimately goes halfway through the next cycle in terms of one-day World Cups. But I think the landscape itself in terms of where the Black Cats fit in and how much one-day cricket they play in the next little while will be interesting. There's a lot of chat around the World Cup and the one-day World Cup and one-day format in general in terms of how much cricket there needs to be played or if there's going to be World Cups or if it's a dying format. Um, So that remains to be seen in the next four years in in terms of um, how many games they played. I think there was some stats going around that um, there wasn't a lot of uh, one-day cricket in, in general played between England uh, in 2019 and this World Cup. So if it's on the decline, then it might not take as much importance in terms of games in between and, and those sort of series between two countries uh, that, that happen. And, and will that just become T20 and Test match cricket? But I think for the Black Caps and, and New Zealand cricket especially, I think it's just about trying to find some, some guys um, during that time or some players during that time that can that can offer you different uh, options in different conditions. I think in the Indian conditions, we saw some guys being relatively successful, but during the middle of the tournament against the tougher teams, they they didn't perform um, maybe as as the level that they were expecting. Hey, Ronnie, um, there's there's, uh, rain forecast to be coming for the second semi-final. If South Africa walk into the the next semi uh, and walk straight into the final because of rain, are you going to feel sorry for Australia? Unlikely. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'd feel sorry for them. Um, 
But in saying that, like if you think about it all in in in, in context, I think if the Black Caps had run into South Africa, or Australia, they, they potentially would have had a better shot of trying to make it through to the final. But um, obviously, one versus four, we we had to play the the hot team. So I think it'd be nice um, to see a relatively competitive game against those two. Um, South Africa have been playing really good cricket, but it sounds like um, their captain's injured, so he might not make the make the starting eleven for the semi, which will be a blow for them. Um, and Australia, like they always do, they come they've come good at the right time and they're starting to play some some really good cricket. So um, maybe India India Australia in the final, um, which means South Africa lose another semi final. Um, but yeah, I won't I won't feel sorry for them though. No, well, I was just having a look actually at the weather forecast for Kolkata, and it looks like uh, it's going to be overcast, but there's no rain in the forecast at the moment. So uh, if if you've got a day-nighter in uh, that part of the world and it's overcast, um, if you're Australia, you kind of you do want to bat first and bowl second, right, to get the best out of guys like Mitchell Stark because that ball could move around a bit later in the in the day. Yeah, that's probably. I mean, I think what it comes down to is like the toss, the same as the the game against India um, overnight. You know, it's just literally the toss of the coin in terms of getting the best conditions and and trying to make the most of those. But um, yeah, uh, under lights, um, the ball can skid on as well, and with that pace on the ball, it might be slightly easier to bat second, um, especially if it doesn't swing. Um, but yeah going to be, uh, I think, uh, hopefully it'll be somewhat like the game overnight, relatively competitive for some of it, and then um, lots of runs being scored. What do you think, uh, I, I don't know if the ICC are bothered, as you mentioned, you know, about how uh, how big 50-over cricket is on their radar, but how do you make it more competitive and maybe minimise the influence of the toss? I mean, was Martin Crow right all along, and you know, the max cricket, we do 20-overs, 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 I don't know. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty radical at the time, that's for sure. And I guess the evolution of that idea became 2020. So um, he was on to something, that's for sure. But um, I think what's happened is that, you know, they try different things at different times in terms of, um, you know, uh, introducing new conditions and, and new rules, something like the, the two balls for the um, for the for the innings. I mean, that that's something that was, I think, introduced because they were having to switch balls out all the time at 34 overs or something like that. But... There's a bit of chat going on around again in terms of uh, why why do we need to have two balls for the for the whole um, for the whole innings and whether we switch them out at 30 or at 34 and, and just have one ball to try and introduce reverse swing towards the end of the innings um, and hopefully make it a little bit more equal for the bowlers. But um, I think in India at this stage, and I think um, from from what you can see is that the pitches are a lot better than what they previously have been uh, with the advent of the IPL and, and the facilities in, Australia, in India. The batting, the, the batting, and, and the pitchers have, have come a long way, um, and, the, and the bowlers, especially spin bowlers, they haven't had the the, the type of influence on games um, like they previously had in terms of, you know, low slow spinners. Um, so, I think the the ICC will need to look at it in terms of how they can do that. But in terms of any ideas on how they can do that, they're all out there. They just have to be interested in listening. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, from from what I remember, the the whole idea about having the two, uh, t- using two balls is because the the white ball got too dark, too dirty, too dark, mm. and it was hard to see in the day night game. So that's why they went with two, so they didn't get as beat up. 
Yeah, and and uh, I guess when you look at everything in, in context, like that's that's all very well in terms of making the ball whiter, but it hasn't really helped in terms of um, the bowlers getting the natural wear on the ball and and potentially utilising something like uh, um, reverse swing or the ball even going softer because essentially they're only 25 overs old. You know, like you're running another 50th over with a ball that's 25 overs old. It doesn't really make any sense. Um, it hasn't had the natural wear and tear. It hasn't had the softening. You know, if you're running in in the 50th over bowling to a guy who's set and the ball's still 25 overs old, it's still disappearing into the crowd. Whereas if it was 50 overs old and slightly more worn and, and softer, that might get caught on the boundary. So those are the sort of things that used to happen in one-day cricket, but it doesn't seem to happen anymore. No, it doesn't. I think that's all because it's all about the sixes, Ronnie. It's all about the sixes. They're not it's worried all, about the bowlers' figures, eh? No, yeah. no. Um, and you talk about the runs being scored, you know, like someone like Coley scored 700 runs this tournament. I, mean, I haven't scored 700 runs um, in a season um, or my career, and he does it in one tournament, you know. So uh, it just shows you that that's the trend in terms of world-class batters scoring truckloads of runs. And even, you know, even guys like Daryl Mitchell, to be fair, he's had a really good tournament. I think he scored a couple of hundreds. Ratchet Ravindra scored 500 runs, you know. So even 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 our batters have shown that there's, um, you know, capabilities within them to score heavy runs. Uh, now, we've got uh, a text through here, Ronnie, just before we let you go that I'd ask, uh, I'd like to ask you. And it says, uh, uh, Kia ora, boys. I think this is the first World Cup for a while where our batsmen thoroughly outplayed our bowlers. Pretty happy with youth coming through New Zealand domestic cricket. Canterbury have about four guys under 25 who will play for New Zealand in the next couple of years. Well, yeah, where do you think we're at? Yeah, and I, I kind of mentioned that in terms of the cycle, you know. Um, yeah. I... I I think it sort of echoes the last comment around the pitches and the conditions. I think our batters have played really well, um, and the conditions have helped them. Um, I was I was surprised with the with the bowling. We just I, I mean, we just didn't find that penetration that we usually find with guys like uh, Trent Bolt, especially. Um, he really gets the the black ass off to a good start with the ball, um, but that that sort of wasn't there as much as as it previously previously has been, but. Yeah, I think it's New Zealand's cricket, New Zealand cricket's responsibility over the next two to three years to try and unearth some some talent and and give some guys some opportunities. Um, they tried something similar with with Finn Allen, who's obviously mid twenties, early twenties, um, and then and then gave up on that idea. And the other guys that are floating around are already thirty. Like Will Young's probably knocking on the door of thirty, um, and the only other two guys that were under um, under I think twenty five or under twenty. Um, 26 or 27 was Glenn Phillips and, and Ratchin Ravindra. So there has to be a changing of the guard. I just I just think they need to find some investment and and um, find some develop some players. Yeah, all right, mate. Uh, and I did say that was the last one before we go, but then Rory came through with this blinder, and I actually don't mind this idea. Probably already been mentioned. Uh, it's not a new idea, but if you get to set up a pitch to your team's advantage and you're playing at home, shouldn't you just get rid of the toss and the away team gets to choose? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. They do that in county cricket in England. Um, I don't think it's to do with um, the, the doctoring of the pitch or the choosing of the pitch, but they definitely have um, tried that in, in county cricket in England. So the away teams then turn up and decide what they want to do. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, like I said, who, who who's pulling the chains here? Who's pulling the strings in terms of the ICC or the, the BCCI? And we know how much revenue um, mm. is, you know comes from the BCCI and how much that influences the ICC, so maybe that has something to do with it, but, you know, those are all sort of conspiracy theories after the fact, I guess. Yeah, just give them the full title, mate, the BCC-ICC. 
I think is how, how you actually say that properly. But, uh, Ronnie, thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. Appreciate it. Enjoy uh, tomorrow's semi-final as well, eh? No dramas. Thanks for having me.